This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball. Grant, Danny, and Darius with you. Your trio back for Episode 7. Let's go around the room. Gentlemen, how are we? Nats, 5-5 five and five in their last 10. We call that improvement. That's 500 ball. It's This is close to what I thought they would be before the season started. You're not going to get consistent starting pitching. You're not a first division club, but you'll have a couple weeks where you slug it a little bit, right? Where you, you know, you're middle of your order, which is a bunch of pro hitters, and you add Caber Ruiz into that, who certainly looks the part, but Nelson Cruz and Josh Bell and Juan Soto get some extra base hits, you put some crooked numbers up, you can win some 7-6 ball games here and there. This That group that they were for the first month-plus guys where they are playing 333 baseball, throwing it around, leading the world in errors, seems like it's better now. Not good, nobody's saying good, but better. I, I kind of think they'll settle into this sort of channel here going forward. I think if you're going to go into a full rebuild or, or some sort of a uh, rebuild, I just want to have a little bit of fun along the way. And this weekend was fun. Seeing the team hit multiple home runs in games, that's something that we haven't gotten at various portions throughout this season so far. So I'm fine with weekends like that, you know, even if it comes with getting uh, spanked by the Mets afterwards. The spanking will be there. This, they play the Mets more times. There'll At be more spanking. Point, oh, so, goodness. Someone's going to put you over top of their leg, and they're going to say, pull your pants down, and they're going to go, whack! 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 It's going to happen, right, Danny? Pretty much. Um, that was, by the way, I think it was a Pete Alonzo, a little Jeff McNeil right there, just drilling balls into the gap. Just a bludgeoning. All right, that got violent, so let's reel and it back weird. in here. Got a little bit strange. Uh, but yes, the Nat series is ongoing. We are taping on Tuesday evening here. So they're about to play the Mets again, game two of this series. We're going to be looking ahead and talking some bigger picture things. So hopefully not a lot of what we talk about is dated, but I will say to Darius's point, they took three out of four from the Rockies. They took four out of five at one point, four and one going into their series with the Mets because they had that shutout win over the Dodgers, the first team to shut the Dodgers out all year long. Fetty was fantastic, obviously got rocked by the Mets subsequently since, but uh, that was great to see. We were at the ballpark at Silly Seats, Darius. That was great. And by the way, Danny, before we, we get to some of the, the things on the rundown today, Darius mentioned actual home runs were hit. How about the fact? That this team only homers on Saturday, basically. They're, it's uncanny. As of this weekend, their last home runs hit were Saturday. I don't remember the exact dates, but let's say it's like, uh, let me let me look at a calendar here. The 14th against the Astros. Then they went seven days where they didn't hit one. Then May the 21st, 21st against the Brewers. <laughs> then they went seven days where they didn't hit one. And then the 28th against the Rockies. Like, that should not happen in Major League Baseball. Aaron Judge is homering nine times a week. He's homering four times an inning. The Nationals homer every Saturday. It's so strange. <laughs> it's your weekly home run appointment. Just like, weird Soto's stuff. Soto's got man. eight, and no yeah. one else has more than four on the team. It's just weird. 
that's all. That's these things won't continue. Nelson Cruz will start elevating the baseball as things warm up. He'll hit more homers are going to be hit, but I'm telling you, it's one of those. It's emblematic of kind of where they are and the inconsistency of a team that, that's trying to build. All right, so let's go through the items on the to-do list here. I want to start with Evan Lee because he is going to make his debut. Now, call me a weirdo or a sucker. This is what I live for. I love the minor league player getting called up to make their debut during the rebuild. And in this case, this is the 17th best prospect in the system. Not a particularly highly regarded guy by all the prospects outlets. He's a lefty. He's been pitching at AA Harrisburg. He was on the 40-man roster. He's 6'1 and 200. 10 pounds. Again, was never really highly regarded. Was a 15th round pick back in 2018. Drafted outside of the top 450 in his own draft class. But he had a lot of success at a power conference. Was a two-way player at the University of Arkansas before the Nats saw him as a pitcher and took him. And he's moved through the system at a decent clip here. You're talking about less than four years later. He's making his major league debut, making the leap from double A, probably because he's on the 40 man, but we will get to see him in a day game on Wednesday. I've got a bunch of thoughts on the repertoire and the arsenal from just talking to people in the organization, but am I crazy that this is the kind of thing that excites me? Because look, I know he's not a great prospect and like a few years from now, there's a good chance he's not a big league rotation piece. But sometimes these outlets are wrong. Like I, MLB Pipeline, uh, Baseball America, Prospectus. I, I do this stuff all the time where I'm studying all those charts. And I know just from talking to people in the Nats org, like they completely disagree with where some of these guys are ranked. So sometimes someone's great and we don't know it until we see him. And, and maybe Evan Lee could start to solidify himself as a back-end starter for them for years to come. Again, you keep throwing things at the wall to see if it sticks, right? I mean, you, you could see why they were intrigued. As you mentioned, at a two-way player at a, at a power school at a great conference. Uh, obviously, there's some athleticism there. So he's he's not a refined pitcher to the degree that some of these other guys are that have thrown hundreds and hundreds of innings before they end up on a minor league roster somewhere. So he's still kind of learning the craft, but there's some stuff here, as you talked about, kind of a you know kind of big, nasty curveball to go with the fastball that rides a little bit as a lefty. There's some reasons to be excited. Again, nobody's telling you that the second coming, this isn't a Steven Strasburg-style debut. This is a guy that's you know was okay at A-plus last year, right, with an ERA in the low fours. He's thrown a little bit better at AA Harrisburg. Just shows you, as he's adapting to the level, no, you know, ascending isn't too much for him uh, here at this point. So he's thrust into a pretty tough spot, going up to New York to pitch against the Mets lineup that averages 277,000 runs per game against the Nationals this year, numbers approximate. But it's one of those fun things. You're right. I, don't, I probably don't get as geeked up as you do, but it is exciting because – the downside, oh, it didn't work. You're back in the minors. He's one of your 4A arms that comes up sometimes. You go, oh, I remember that guy. He made a start a couple years ago. Or if he kind of hits the ground running, you go, maybe this is a new asset. But this is the time to figure that sort of stuff out. Well, make no mistake. I'm not pretending like this is Cade Cavalli or this is Cole Henry. Like your top arms, your top prospects, there's a different level of excitement when it's Lucas Giolito Day and he's graduating or Soto or Robles gets to the show. He's not that. But as a guy that just I've tracked this year at the minor league level and I'm looking up all of his starts, it's kind of cool that instead of turning on the TV and seeing Patrick Corbin again or Eric Fetty or whatever it is, you're going to see one of these guys just to you know get a little look-see and see if, if, the, if he's ready and what he's got. Uh, let's talk repertoire for him, what you're going to see. So the fastball, I was told, is mostly like 90 to 93. Can touch a four or a five occasionally, but for the most part, expect him to be 92, 93 miles per hour, somewhere around there. Big looping curveball, high 70s breaking ball. So I was told it's basically two pitches, fastball, 
curveball. Fastball, top of the zone, high spin rate, you know, four seam, think Sean Doolittle kind of, like elevated, uh-huh. lefty, where it, 93 looks more like 96, ideally, on a good day. That's that's what you're looking for with that spin rate. Uh, the big breaking ball, hopefully from, you know, similar tunnel, similar release point, so you get people swinging over the top of that pitch. I was told, uh, and I hit up our guy Cole Henry, who we had on the podcast, uh-huh. that he also will occasionally mix in a changeup, but essentially this is two pitches. Now, I know that a lot of places, including MLB Pipeline, says he, he's mixed in a cutter for left-on-left stuff. I don't know how often he uses that. I guess we'll get to see that in a game against the Mets here on Wednesday. But basically, fastball, curveball, not ideal because you want to have more to be able to go to. But if he throws a few cutters that are good, if he throws a few changeups, just enough. Exactly. Then I look, Josiah Gray is essentially pitching without a changeup, but he's got such a good curveball, such a good slider that he really has three above average better pitches. But in this case, Evan Lee has two pitches that are big league average or better, probably a hair above it. Certainly, you know, with the high spin fastball and the curveball. You need to give people just enough. It doesn't have to be even 10% of your, of your deliveries. It has to be just one other thing to kind of get you off those two main things. And that combo of the high riding fastball and kind of a, it's not a full 12-6, but that's sort of a breaking ball, can be really, really effective on hitters. Because what you're doing is you're, you're, their eye line goes one way, right? A fastball up, fastball up, fastball up, and you kind of get used to seeing that. Then what looks like a fastball up out of the hand, you know, basically sprint straight downward, which is kind of that 12-6 action on that curveball. So then you see enough of those curveballs, and all of a sudden you're looking for that, and that riding fastball that you kind of alluded to just all of a sudden takes off, and 92 plays like 95, 96, and even beyond. That's where a guy like that can be effective. It's a a tightrope that he's got to walk a little bit uh, when it comes to it, especially if you're really only going to major in two pitches because guys know bases loaded, two out, 3-2 count, you're not going to your third pitch, right? It's going to be one of those other two. So you really got to be precise there and, and keep the same tunnel, that arm tunnel, the thing that you just mentioned, GP, critically important for somebody like that as he's learning how to pitch here in, in you know, kind of your, I think it's your four for him in pro baseball, really doing this full time. So it's it's an interesting Combo of pitches, I would say, for a guy that's trying to get get you through the lineup a couple different times. To me, profiles as a reliever. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, probably so. Just based on again, it's it's a couple of pitches, but you know, I, I want to see him more. I mean, some guys like Clayton Kershaw early in his career was mostly two pitches. Now, good point. I'm not comparing those two dudes. Evan Lee is Clayton Kershaw. Grant, time <laughs> time stamp that, Darius. Stop it right now. That is not a thing. But you get what I'm saying, like. Two pitches for some guys, you can do that. You can get by. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that are factors. But, yeah, I would say just based on, you know, the velocity and, you know, the draft status and a lot of the things that are out of his control, there's a better chance than not that he's not in the rotation on a first division team long term. But, you know, he made seven starts in A this year. He pitched 30 innings. 37 strikeouts to 25 hits. That's really, really impressive. Uh, Average against in the 220s. I like that. Whip a little bit over one. I I can get in on that. Now, my one issue is that he's walked more guys than I'd prefer. He has 15 walks in 30 innings, which at the big league level, four and a half walks per nine is high, but it's not alarming. My concern is if you're walking four and a half guys per nine in double A, what does that become when you are yep. at the major league level. Lower chase. Exactly. Yeah. Like, dudes are spitting on pitches. You're nervous. I mean, think about that. Like, I remember David Price telling me, I interviewed him after his debut, and he said, I got out to the mound and my knees were shaking. That was literally, this is a 1-1 pick out of Vanderbilt. Top prospect in the game at one point. Gets called up by the Rays to pitch out of the pen in a playoff chase. And what would this have been, like? 
2008, I think, when they went to the World Series. And he said his knees were actually shaking. That's how some guys feel on the hill. And if you sometimes struggle to locate in the minors at the double-A level, it, that transition can be difficult. So I just hope he gets the ball over the plate and allows the fastball-curveball combination to work. But cannot wait to see him. Again, if you're listening to this on Tuesday night, he has already thrown, so hopefully it wasn't too disappointing. Uh, but if you're listening to this before the game, looking forward to Evan Lee, see how long he, uh, with his spot start, can carve out possibly a spot in this rotation. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 